James Gray, alongside two experts, the Athletics NBA insider Joe Varden and the Athletics NBA analyst and director of North American Sports at StatsBomb on Twitter, Seth Partnow. Um, great to have you with us for a new season, gents. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's been five minutes since we were last talking about the build-up to the crescendo of the last season, to be honest with you. And over the next half an hour or so, we'll try to get as much boxed off as we possibly can in association with Pinnacle. Um I don't really know where to start because there is so much to go at. But I suppose I best ask you, Joe, about time of recording. You, you've had quite a busy morning with the Sixers, haven't you? Absolutely. Uh, they are coming through Cleveland uh, as we speak here as part of the uh, their preseason schedule, which is where I still live. And I uh, got a chance to catch up with some of the guys, said hello to Doc Rivers and saw James Harden. And Joel Embiid couldn't make the trip out to Cleveland for something called his personal management plan. But uh, the rest of the Sixers were here and, and looking fit and ready to go. You know, it's kind of all or nothing this season, you know, with the veterans, the depth on, on their on their roster, really. You know, if it, if it doesn't work, it might be time to kind of blow it all up in, in many respects, but we'll kind of get into that. But but what what was the feeling? What did, you know, do you get a bit of a sense for kind of the mood, the anticipation? Do you get a good look at players? Is it is it useful for guys like you to actually see that up close and personal? Well, I mean, not to get, you know, I, I don't know how much the listeners care about this kind of thing, but uh, people like me have we're getting our access back uh, way more than it's been since before the pandemic. And so for us, that it's really important to get a chance to be around these guys more and talk to them more. Uh, we'll be back in the locker rooms. Uh, so I'll be there uh, tonight for the game on both sides. Cleveland, who, by the way, is a lot better than the last time we talked uh, and also get a chance to talk to some more of the Sixers in that setting. You know, I, I, preseason basketball is a lot like spring training in baseball. Um, you know, everybody's relaxed right now. Uh, nobody is feeling the pressure. Um, and so, you know, and also everybody comes in in the greatest shape of their lives and committed to defend and committed to feeding the post. So, um, I, I would just say just quickly, uh, before we move on, um, you know, you, you mentioned things, uh, have changed so much since we last talked. And when you talk about the Sixers and this being the year, I think that's true. I think that it's, this is the year for Joel Embiid. It's time for James Harden. Um, and with the sort of the tumult in Boston and Brooklyn, um, you know, if the Sixers don't do it now, then I, I think when is, is a fair question. Well, the new season tips off on October the 18th. That's a Tuesday. The Sixers are first up against the Boston Celtics. Uh, that's in the East, of course. And then it's a huge game out West. Uh, the Warriors taking on the Lakers for their opening night ring ceremony, of course, as is the tradition, which is really cool. And I'm sure that they will be lapping that up and enjoying it as they quite rightly should. Um, where do we get things going? I suppose what we look at is where all the teams have made gains really to their roster. Seth, when you look at some of the additions uh, that some of the sides have made, some of the trades, some of the players returning from injury as well, uh, that's a big one for the Clippers, isn't it? Um, and teams like that. So so where do you look at? Where do your eyes immediately dart to when you look at kind of a big blank canvas for this season? 
I think you 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 hit on it a little bit. There's sort of two. There's the the actual additions, and then uh, I think that uh, it's, it's it's a cliche that uh, the premier premiership managers always say oh, he's come back from a long term injury. It's like a whole new signing. I think that's that's sort of the mood going into the season for both the Clippers and hasn't been talked about as much, but the Nuggets. I mean, they have the two-time MVP and, and getting, you know, uh, Jamal Murray and, and, and until he hurts himself again, Michael Porter Jr. back um, is, is similarly a big deal in terms of teams that have gone outside. um, I think the, the, the place you have to start is the teams that acquired uh, the former, you know, uh, tent poles of the Utah Jazz, uh, the Timberwolves adding Rudy Gobert, and and of course the the Cavs who who uh, Joe alluded to adding Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, I I think that those additions are going to be pretty substantial for for both teams. Um, the Cavs in particular are one of the teams that I think I'm I'm most interested to see this year. Um, there's just so much interesting potential for for the the, the squad they have. How do the Atlanta Hawks look? Uh, Trey Young, uh, Dejounte Murray as well um, in in their side. I mean, that's one that's kind of been earmarked a little bit when you kind of read in the absolute masses of uh, of season preview material that there is out there. Um, there's the Cleveland Cavaliers as well. I mean, some of these kind of outside looking teams. You know, Joe actually mentioned they're they're looking a lot better, Cleveland, since the last time that we spoke. They are. I mean, Seth just fired me up, man. If if Seth is thinking about the Cavs, then hey, I mean, maybe Cleveland's where it's going to be this year. I think the Cavs are actually really good as well. um, And I don't know how they could separate themselves in the East. I feel like they're one player away. They And I even wrote this during the preseason that they have uh, a star or a near star or a budding star at four of the five spots. If you think about Donovan Mitchell, who Seth mentioned, and then Darius Garland coming off his first all-star performance, that's your backcourt. And then in the front court, you have Jared Allen, uh, seven-footer coming off his first all-star performance. And then Evan Mobley, who the Cavs legitimately say could be better this year than all those guys. Uh, maybe should have won rookie of the year last year. So that's four guys, but there's five spots. And then that fifth spot on paper, they're just not close. And so, you know, you look at how do they, how do they fill in that, that small forward position? Do they do it this year? Do they feel like they're one year away? And and next year is the, the year where you try to, to, to fill that spot and, and make a run? Maybe, but um, the East is going to be tremendous. I, I've said and written that, that the East is deeper than at any time since Shaq left uh, Orlando for the for the Lakers. And um, I don't know who comes out of it. I guess it's our job, uh, especially on a gambling podcast, to, to figure that out by the end of the, the half hour here. But uh, <laughs> uh, an exciting five or six, six team race for sure. Okay, I mean, let's just run through some of those odds then. So Boston are the favourites to win the East, 3.7 on Pinnacle there or thereabouts before the start of the season. Then you've got Milwaukee and Brooklyn Nets just over fours. Then the 76ers at sevens, Miami Heat at nines, and the Cavs all the way out at 16. So that does kind of echo what what you're saying there, and clearly not too fancy despite the fact that they are much improved. Um. The East, though, you talk about how difficult the East is, and we'll come back to the East um, in terms of you know how competitive it is. The West, though, I mean, 
that's going to be tough, isn't it? Because injuries are behind the Clippers, like we say. You know, it's like signing new players. A great little Premier League football manager isn't there from Seth, which I much appreciated. Uh, Golden State making additions as well. Two seasons ago, you got to remember that the Suns won the West and had the best record in the NBA. So that's a that's a tricky division to call as well, isn't it? Who catches your eye and and from what you've seen and the additions, etc. Um, I want you to give me both kind of your thoughts. You know, Seth, Seth he's just kind of chuckling away. I feel like it, it, we're doing a disservice. To the nuggets every time we every time that's like well the the clippers are getting their stars back and it's just like two-time mvp adding an all-star level player in jamal murray and you know a very useful you know uh peripheral player in michael porter jr within the knock-on effects of of uh of putting kind of aaron gordon back in in the role he should be and i think uh you mentioned like the 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 dearth of of options on the wing for the Cavs. i think the addition of contavious caldwell pope for for denver is going to be one of those sneaky put everything just just at that last piece to put everything kind of in the right spots together a defender and for a, for a team that struggled with perimeter defense a defender and a reliable floor spacer in that in that role is just a, a perfect fit for whatever what else the nuggets have so i don't you know i I don't want to go too far, but I think if we're mentioning the Clippers, you, you have to include, you just have to include the Nuggets in the, in that part of the conversation as well. Yeah. And on Pinnacle, we have all the divisional um, betting, uh, you know, sort of lists, if you like. And uh, the so in the Northwest Division, um, start of the season, Denver Nuggets are favourites, 1.699 at the moment. Clear favourites for that. Joe, do you echo the sentiments of our partner here, Seth? Yeah, I mean, I love Denver. And then I would I would add Michael Malone. I he's I think he is a, an unheralded coach in this league. And if you think about when when Joker and Jamal Murray were or Jamal Murray were, were basically kids in this league. I mean, he had them in the in the conference semifinals and and knocking on the door of the conference finals. Um, and and so you know you feel like this group this would be the year to to really take a, another another jump. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's where it starts. I, I had to cringe though the other day just because Jamal Murray. I think he left a preseason game with some tightness and a hamstring, and it's just a little knickknack, you know, just a, a tiny bump and bruise. But it's just it's a reminder of of how fragile uh, the the Nuggets' success can be there just based on these injuries. And hey, the same goes for the Clippers. You know, Kawhi Leonard. It really can't stay healthy in this league right now, and neither can Paul George. And the reason why you like them is the same reason that you like that you like Denver in a way, just because they're getting their primary stars back, their secondary guys who played a much larger role last season got that great experience. They're all back, and then you've got Ty Lue, who is is, is as good of a coach as we have in our league. So um, that's why you like them. But the health in both sides is is fickle, and and then you you that's when you go back and look at a team like the Warriors, who've been there a hundred times and and done it. It's I'm glad we got to the Warriors because uh, you start to talk about sort of fickle health, and this is this is probably broaches on another subject we need to talk about. But I think that the during the last regular season we saw the kind of the two different Warriors teams, the one with a healthy Draymond Green and then the one without, and how important and irreplaceable he is to that team. And he's not getting any younger, and the specter of injury has been over him for the last couple of years. And then you add on top of that sort of the the. Re- recent 
practice altercation, which, um, you know, maybe it becomes a, a bigger deal over the season or maybe it doesn't. I tend to think something like this, if they start out 10 and two, it'll be, hey, remember that thing that happened? Uh, whereas if they if they kind of scuffle a little bit, it's going to be a, a longer lingering issue. We're not going to go through uh, outright title winners right until the very end, because I just think, you know, come on, we've got so much of this stuff to deal with uh, <laughs> bef- before we get to that stage. And also it, it's one of those things. I've not actually listened back to our first edition from last season, but I think we weren't too far off it, were we? And we always try and do this thing, don't we, where we have a little look at who actually are going to, who's going to surprise us, right? So front office, good work done that is kind of sneaking under the radar a little bit. We had a little chat and obviously, you know, my bias towards the Chicago Bulls a little bit as is quite popular where I'm recording in Britain. But again, they seem to have strengthened a little bit. And if we're moving on to kind of that outside bracket now, they've not made the playoffs since the 2017 season, I believe. So if you look at actually teams like Chicago Bulls, teams from that bracket, talk to me. Who's who's going to who's going to sort of play their way onto the onto the brink if you like, onto the fringes. Seth. The Detroit Pistons. Wow. I I have uh I am um I don't know I, I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team. I think that they are going to be uh a team that threatens to at least make noise in the in for a rebuilding team that um has added uh, more uh, athleticism uh, in, in the draft this year and then went and got I thought one of the the bigger kind of remaining swing pieces in uh, in Boyan Bogdanovich from as you know teams are going to continue to pick at the carcass of, of kind of that 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 recent jazz construction. I think that that's a, another kind of very useful and, and excellent piece that they've picked up. I think they're going to be very frisky. I think second year Cade Cunningham with a training camp behind him with, you know, a, a, a dynamic pick and roll partner. If if uh, if uh, Jalen Duran gets, you know, gets his sea legs under him during the season, I am I am very excited to see what the Pistons do this season. Okay, Joe's getting, raising some eyebrows at that on our screen. <laughs> no, I just because I th- in, and you mentioned our very first show at this time a year ago, and I can't remember whom Seth pulled out of a hat. I almost think it was the Bulls, and he was, of course, right on the money there. And they were in first in the East for like a long time and and made the playoffs, I think, as a five or six seed. So if Seth says it's going to be the Pistons, we're going to have to pay attention to that. I like the Hornets, and I'll tell you why. I know our odds don't like it, don't like them, you know, in Vegas, they don't like them. Um, but the Hornets have made the play in each of the last two years. They've been right on the doorstep. And they absolutely positively can't stay healthy. Gordon Hayward's health the last two seasons has killed that team. If he could if he could even be remotely available for them, I think that they are a team that would have a chance uh, to win enough games to get in. I mean, if you think about LaMelo Ball, he's emerging as one of the best point guards in the league, no question about it. He does have a group alongside him there with, with Terry Rozier. Miles Bridges is in trouble legally, and we don't know if or when he will be back and if he will play for the Hornets but they've got a unique situation in there with coach Steve Clifford he's um, he's getting a second chance to coach the team and he is back replacing the guy who replaced him which is almost unprecedented in the NBA um, not entirely but close and uh, and and so we'll, we'll see how that works if he can get the Hornets to play just a little bit of defense I, I, I would pay attention there. Okay, well, they're at 14s from the Southeast Division on Pinnacle, um, which is some way behind the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat uh, from that little grouping of five teams. Um, 
I suppose there's an element to that, isn't there, as well? We're talking about actually their season-ending standings here, right? You're trying to push for the playoffs and trying to be a bit of an outsider that breaks through into that crop that's, you know, kind of expected to get there, if you like, in many ways. But it's there's, there's a little bit more to it than that, isn't there? Because it's actually for those teams that just want to roll into... Um, Denver, for example, sorry, who did you say Detroit, the Pistons, for example, they want to roll into Detroit, pick up the win and leave town. Happy days. But actually these teams, if they are showing a bit more metal and they are raising a few eyebrows throughout the season, it just gives those bigger teams something to think about, doesn't it? And that's another element that we're not really talking about here, is it? Because they might not get anywhere near the playoffs, but if they can be a potential banana skin for some of those bigger teams, that can actually make a big effect on the league can't it come at the end of the season Seth oh for sure there's there's uh, a, a phrase we used to use uh, when I was in, in, in the Bucks front office to talk about some of the end of season games uh, where you're you know your uh, teams have varying uh, levels of motivation towards winning the game and are maybe moving into more of a developmental path whether that developmental path is getting reps for their own young players or uh, paving the way to add I don't know Victor Wembanyama uh, to their roster next season uh, we used to call those fake games um, and so if, if, you know, we're looking at teams that, that are no longer, you know, fake game opponents, um, I think the, you know, Detroit, you know, I think that they were at times last year, once Cade kind of found his, got his feet under him, we're, we're, we're frisky. Um, I think that's going to be the case all season this year. Okay. That's nice. And Joe, is there any of the teams that you can kind of see being in that disruptor mold, you know, who are going to really kind of disrupt things a little bit in terms of the norm? It's just going to be, I mean, Seth brought up the name. I mean, and that, that name is going to dominate conversation in the NBA for any team that does not look like a contender. And that of course is Victor Wembanyama. I don't know to, like, you know, like last year, we had such a nice race for the play-in. It seemed like everybody wanted to get in, make that top 10, get into the tournament, see what happens. And now you just have to really have a, have an honest conversation in your organization about how much that's worth to fight for the bottom rung, maybe get in as an eight seed after you make it through a play-in, or give yourself a chance to get a player who, let's be honest, I mean, Richard Jefferson said if if 18-year-old LeBron were in the same draft as, as Victor, LeBron would be number two. That's insane and probably true. I mean, we, we just haven't seen a guy like this. And so I don't know about that disruptor thing. I just think we're entering a season here where the two teams that were in the finals last year, one lost its coach to scandal and the other, for now anyway, lost its uh, one of its glue guys to, to, to scandal. And um, so I think those are some two pretty big banana peels at the at the start of the season. Um, we've got other markets to look at as well, of course. Um, we, of course, have the Defensive Player of the Year, the Rookie of the Year, regular season MVP, etc. as well. Uh, Jaden Ivey. Um, talk to me about Jaden Ivey. Um, rookie of the Year. He's our favourite on Pinnacle at sevens, just over sevens. Good value or not good value? So the thing with with rookie of the year is it's basically you're looking for a player who's going to get enough playing time and opportunity to put up stats. And uh, Jaden Ivey is certainly a player who is who uh, he's uh, like just as a, on a basketball standpoint was my favorite player in this draft. Um, now, in terms of who's going to have the most opportunity, um, he's certainly among that group. Uh, I mean, another the other name you'd have to probably mention is the player who got drafted immediately ahead of him. Um, much to my chagrin was uh, uh, Keegan Murray in in uh, in, in Sacramento. I mean, th th those are uh, 
you know, it's it's all the, the rookie of the year is less about who you think is the better player than who's going to play the most and get the most shots almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So that's something to factor in. If you're a listener to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, I like him. He was a great, he's a great player. And he's, yeah. Is he going to get the minutes? That's something to think about, isn't it? Joe, is there anybody that you like? Forget about the award. Any of the young players from the draft that really caught your eye? Well, I would stick with the award. I mean, I, I mean, I like that okay. question and, and you look at Banchero, the yeah. number one overall pick. Um, my concerns there are the magic probably aren't going to be very good and there's not a lot around him. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, the position, you know, when he plays, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a number of teams uh, on both sides of the aisle, but especially on the East that are just rugged at that spot uh, where he's probably going to be playing. And, um, so we'll see how exposed he gets uh, at one end of the floor. But I mean, Seth is right with the formula when you talk about uh, how you stand out as rookie of the year and, and he's going to have the number one overall pick pedigree and he's going to probably be the best player on their team. Interesting stuff. Another market that I want to go through, and this is something that's a little bit different here, but it's it's the regular kind of season under or overperforming um, mark, if you like. So carefully structured by the guys at Pinnacle. They obviously take a lot of care into this and this will really make you guys umming and ahhing. But I want you to simply a- answer me these questions. Um, Brooklyn Nets, over 50 wins or under 50 wins throughout the season? Seth and Joe. <laughs> See, this is, you weren't expecting this, were you, fellas? You, you, no, you start, you start with the Nets and, and it's it's very, you know, if, if you want to be, you know, statistically precise about the Nets are, are one of those things, teams you say has a bimodal distribution in that like 50 is, is a weird number because it's like way under or way over. And, and so which way do you think it's going to go? I think um, I would lean towards the over at this point, just given that the relative health of the key players seems to be pretty good. Okay. Joe, would you agree with that? Boy, I've been burned a couple of times with them over the last couple of seasons, but <laughs> they, they added Royce O'Neal and gave us the famous Brian uh, Winhurst uh, memes. Um, when nobody was paying attention. And then on top of that, I mean, they still have TJ Warren, who isn't going to be ready for the start of the season, but if he ever comes back healthy and now he's your eighth or ninth guy, that that's a pretty deep team. So I'm going to hold my nose and say over, I think. Okay. Um, but you got to watch. <laughs> I mean, Kyrie is a disruptor. I mean, he's already, you know, I mean, he spent another whole off season uh, causing trouble. And um, he just can't seem to get away from it. No, that's another thing to factor in, certainly. And I'm going to only chuck you one more of these because actually these are quite unkind. I see the pain on your face when I ask them <laughs> to you. <laughs> so we'll go uh, We'll go one more. I'll tell you what, we'll pick out the Lakers. Over 45 wins or, un- <sighs> or under 45 wins. Now that is a tough one. Sorry, I know I, I could have gone on these all day, but it's a cool little section to have. Well, so. the, the Lakers, the Lakers are, 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 are sort of a team. I start out like you got to talk me out of okay. going under just because it just in general, regardless, you could whatever else it is, just because they are sort of the the team that uh, because of their profile uh, is, is the lake at 45 is actually a, um, a reflection of where they are then talking about them as like a possible title contender or something like that. So that's a I think I'm going to go under. But that's not a ludicrous line. Um, I think that they they haven't solved any of their team construction issues that they had last year. LeBron's a year older. Anthony Davis is already missing time in preseason. Um, and once you get past that, 
barring them somehow making it making a trade to swoop in for a for a top player somehow with you know giving up very little of their current team it's it they just don't have enough talent and they, and they don't have the right talents more pertinently the we, we i think we talked about this last year and and the model you have lebron you have anthony davis defense and shooting around them still haven't really done much of that yeah okay so if you think if if they swing that trade with the pacers and they get who uh buddy and they get turner and they give up the two first rounders whatever they get rid of russ as well does that change does that change do they, do they have the right talent then i think so i think um the you know obviously getting some shooting around in it in 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 Miles Turner and, and, and Buddy Heald. But I think more pertinently, I think uh, Anthony Davis doesn't love to play center. And even though he's, when he's healthy and available to play center, that's often the best lineup. Um, I think from a maintenance and keeping him on the floor standpoint, having another option there um, will help him stay healthy. And also, you know, Miles Turner is a great rim protector in his own right. So I think, yeah, the addition by subtraction of moving on from, from, from Westbrook and then adding, you know, two much more complimentary players um, for just, just having to do you use draft capital to do that. If they could do that, that makes them a much better team. Um, if that, if, if uh, Indy was going to accept that deal, I think it would have already been accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you should be excited to watch the Lakers this year because you're going to see LeBron running bucks stuff. Basically, I, I do have to say that that I'm I'm uh, a big fan of Darvin Ham from having having worked with him, and I and I I wish him well, and I I, I just wish he had been given a uh, a, a more well rounded roster to work with in his first in his first sure. head coaching season. I just uh, when it comes to the Lakers, you know, because I I mean the listeners may know, remember this by now, but I mean I've spent so much of my the NBA portion of my career covering LeBron that I just, whatever team he's on now, you know, you pay a little bit extra attention to, and he has been the face of this league for so long. And they won the bubble year uh, in LA and he's got three titles in three different teams. And then since that year, they, the Lakers have gone further and further away from what they did to get there to begin with. And we've talked on this show before the, the, the basic part of this whole plan was Anthony Davis was supposed to become the alpha and LeBron was supposed to become, you know, the greatest wingman in the twilight of his career ever or whatever. And that just hasn't been the case. I mean, Anthony Davis cannot stay healthy. And I just, I hit my head on the desk the other night when he misses a playoff or a a preseason game because (laughs) back tightness, it just, this is like four seconds after he told the writers in LA that he planned on playing all 82 games. And then like the next day he's out with, with that. So I'm going to have to say between Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis's inability to stay healthy, Russell Westbrook still being on this roster, LeBron clearly on the downside of his career when it comes to his health, he's missing a ton of games over the last three seasons. Um, and then the distraction of LeBron chasing and ultimately catching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for pretty much the holy grail of individual awards in the in the NBA, or individual milestones in our league as the all-time leading scorer. I think that's enough to to distract this team. Uh, have a forty-five win ceiling, and I, I I would take the under. Okay. That's fun. This is really good. And love the little, um, you know, shooting of the you-know-what between you two as well. It's good. We'll have more of that throughout, of course. And there are plenty more of those little overs and unders that you can pour your head um, around uh, as the season goes on as well, all on Pinnacle.com. Uh,
right now I'm going to press you. We're going to get, we've got five minutes left of the podcast. I want to just press you both. And I know it's absolutely ludicrous to do this at this stage of the season. And you guys will be doing plenty of it. There'll be lots of chatter amongst you writers and analysts, etc. Just getting your early season name on the board. Um, I'm guessing that you both have one. <laughs> There's a bit of a reluctancy to look me in the eye here from both of you. Seth, um, I want a name. O- overall, NBA champions come the end of the season. Who's it going to be? So let me preface this by saying that just given the number of teams we've talked about, we have a, a legit chance. This is the most wide open. I think I can remember the league being um in in for, for really the last yeah I can't even remember like as long as I've been watching the NBA this is as wide open as as I think it's been that said if you wanted to pick out the team that maybe they only have a 20% chance of winning the title just to, to randomly throw a number but that's more than anybody else I might have to be a homer and go with the Milwaukee Bucks oh don't do that uh, that's my pick uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I'm sorry. I, 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 well, I can go the other one. I can, which is my, I've been, you know, big on the nuggets all off season. So if we're, if, uh, how about that? I'll just throw that out as my preseason finals pick is Bucks Nuggets. Okay. Well, this is nice. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, Joe, you are allowed to have the same as Seth. You know, that's, that's quite good because then when it comes to the end of the season, you're both wrong. <laughs> that's so, very true. That's very true. All both well, right. So, you know, there we go. So come on, hit, hit us, hit us, Joe. Obviously, yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. So, you know, we've touched on it a little bit, um, but this was a tumultuous offseason in the NBA. Uh, so many problems in Brooklyn that ultimately were resolved insofar as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are on the same team, but all kinds of drama there. You think about in Boston, Ime Adoka will not coach this team this season and probably never again because of his off-court transgression. And then, of course, as we've said in in Golden at Golden State, Draymond Green is it punched Jordan Poole in the face and could have killed him with that punch. What what kind of impact does that have? So. In a season where there's so much drama and so much uncertainty, there's one team that's good that does low-key better than anybody, and that's the Giannis Antetokounmpo-led Milwaukee Bucks. They they are they don't allow it in their locker room. They just don't. They they show up to work. They go home. They go about their business, and they may have won it last year if if Chris Middleton uh, hadn't gotten hadn't gotten hurt and and missed you know, so much time in the playoffs. So um, they are my pick. And it's basically because when you look at all the the brush fires in the towns with all these other contenders, you just don't have that in Milwaukee. They they remain deep. They've got their big three. Drew Holiday is great. Uh, So much continuity there. And so, um, yeah, 20%, like Seth said, which is a low number, but with this many contenders, I, I like it. Well, they are at 7.2 with us on Pinnacle. The Boston Celtics, incidentally, are our favourites at the moment, 6.690. There are only four teams below 10s, and then the rest are way out, including the Denver Nuggets, who are out at 20s. So there we have it. Uh, You can see a full list of odds on Pinnacle.com. Seth Partnow, thanks so much. Joe Varden, an absolute pleasure. We will be with these two experts all the way throughout the season at regular intervals. Uh, Please keep across all of Pinnacle's betting resources as well. Um, There is so much insight there are NBA predictions as well there are these podcasts of course and there is the brand new Euro League predictions as well to keep you well informed across the entirety of the season Um, odds were correct at the time of recording enjoy the start of the new season and we'll speak to you again in a few weeks time thanks for listening